Welcome to Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Chapter 14. Mole Exit. When No-Tail had frozen on the path around the hill fort, James had immediately known what it meant. He reacted instantly, scooping up the squirrel in one hand and darting behind the cover of the trig point. From there, he popped No-Tail onto his shoulder, slid down the bank and set off northwards through the grassy ditch. The curve of the hill fort, coupled with a patch of gorse growing up the bank, soon meant that he could not be seen from the trig point. There was a small gap in the gorse bush. Come on, No-Tail, he whispered, kneeling by the gap in the bush. Let's see who is coming up the path. He let No-Tail jump down and scamper between the twisted spiky branches. James squeezed in after, sleeves and trouser legs catching and scratching as he went. He crawled up the slope until his head was level with No-Tail. Looking back down the path atop the bank, he could just about see the whole trick point. As he watched, the long man appeared, striding up the path. He towered over the trick point, then bent down behind it for a moment. Then the concrete pillar swung back, revealing the entrance to the passage under the fort. The brown weasel creature, Skady, hopped up on top of the trick point as it opened. It surveyed the surroundings, nose in the air, then leapt off onto the path toward James and No-Tail. It seemed to be looking right at them. James shrank back behind the gorse branches, sliding back down the dry bank beneath the bush. He cupped a hand gently round the squirrel and pulled her back with him. He couldn't hear anything from the path above, and then he felt No-Tail quiver in his palm, and at the same time a rank smell filled his nose. He held his breath and waited. Skady, here, the long man called out. When James finally took another breath, the nasty smell was gone, and No-Tail had softened in his hand. He opened his fingers, and the squirrel shot up to the top of the bank. James followed, awkwardly shuffling while his clothes were caught and pulled by the gorse. By the time he could see down the path again, the trick point was already closing. And then the strangest thing happened. Just before it closed, Jenny ran up and slid herself into the tunnel. Jenny, he called out, dragging himself out of the prickly trap and heaving himself up onto the path. But by then, the trick point was back in its normal position, and there was no sign of Jenny nor of No-Tail. What had Jenny been thinking of? following the long man under the fort. She didn't normally do crazy things like that. It was more something that he would have done, but there was no way he would ever trap himself underground with that creature, Skady. That was insane. He wondered what the king under the fort would make of it all. The old badger did not like visitors at the best of times, but at least he would protect Jenny. James couldn't imagine that the king would take kindly to the long man appearing with Skady at his side. He looked around. The golf course was still empty, not even a jogger or a dog walker in sight. Nothing at all to explain why Jenny had followed the long man. She wasn't being chased or forced. And what should he do now? He couldn't just leave her there, but he didn't much fancy being around when the long man came back out. And then, while he was pondering exactly what to do next, a very strange sight indeed appeared on the far side of the seventeenth hole. A normal-looking silver car bumped over the little slope up from the road and careened across the fairway. The more he watched, the weirder it became. It was Jenny's family car, 
he was sure of it. It reached the track on the eighth hole and steered wildly in his direction. And there, in the passenger seat, holding on for dear life, while being shaken this way and that, was Annabel. It didn't look like there was anyone at all in the driver's seat. The car dipped out of sight behind the putting green of the thirteenth hole for a moment, before launching up and over the edge of a bunker. For half a second, all four wheels were in the air, Annabel was screaming, and there, James saw, holding the steering wheel with a huge grin across its face, was Zen. The car landed with a thunk on the green just below the trig point. The front wheels were on the neatly trimmed grass, and the back wheels were lodged firmly in the sand of the bunker. The driver's door opened, and Zen and Bobby leapt out triumphantly. Oh yeah, Zen said, that's what I call a great drive. Bobby nodded enthusiastically. Almost a hole in one, he said, pointing to the flag a few feet from the bonnet of the car. Both rats started measuring the distance to the hole and talking excitedly about how fast they would need to go to land right on top of it. The passenger door opened and Annabel staggered out. James ran down to the green. They wouldn't let me drive, Annabel said, said I was in no fit state to be on the road. She looked at the car, half stuck in the bunker. But they didn't even bother using the road. We got here in record time, Zen said triumphantly. But it seems you don't need rescuing after all. Still, a lovely day to be on the golf course. Rescuing, James said. Why would I need rescuing? Because, Annabel said, you came up here and a long man is living under the fort now. Kick the badger out. Anyway, she looked around. Where is my sister? Wait, James said, trying to work out what Annabel meant. You mean the king under the fort isn't down there? No, all three of them said at the same time. But that means, he groaned and started back up the bank, come on, we need to work out how to get the trig point open. Why? Annabel said, staying near the car. We should just get out of here, leave the long man alone. And where is Jenny anyway? She's close, James said, opening his bag. And by close, I mean vertically close. She's probably reached the King's Hall by now. What? Annabel said, stamping across the green. You let her go down there on her own? With the long man and that creature? How could you? James found the box he was looking for in the bag. I didn't let her, he said. She chose to go down there. I was under a gorse bush at the time. There's no time to argue about it now. We have to work out how to open this trick point. And then what? Annabel said. If anything's happened to her, I'll kill you. That's if the long man doesn't kill me first. She reached the path next to James, and for a second he thought she was going to hit him. Then she stomped around the trick point and gave it a good hard kick. James left her to it. Zen, Bobby, he called down. Can you give me a hand with this? The two rats stopped talking about car golf and skittered up the bank. Do either of you know how to open the trick point, James said. It's urgent. Never try to, Bobby said. Badgers and rats don't always see eye to eye. Is there a handle? Zen asked. Or maybe a doorbell somewhere? James wasn't sure if the rat was joking and was about to tell him off when the trig point started to move on its own. Quick, he hissed, get behind it. James, Annabel, and the two rats crouched behind the trig point as it slowly swung toward them. To his surprise, three polecats scurried out and went straight over to his bike and started prodding it. James nudged Zen and whispered the words, catch them, to the rats. Both mercenaries shrugged like it was no bother at all. 
Zen readied his pike, and Bobby produced what looked like a red plastic cricket bat from an infant's playset. Then, while the polecats were busy examining James's bike, the two rats attacked. It was not much of a fight. Even though the polecats were a little bigger than the rats, and there were three of them, one swift crack on the head from the side of Zen's pike to the lead cat, and all three raised their paws in submission. Bobby looked a bit disappointed that he hadn't got to use his bat. James came out from behind the trig point. Right, he said firmly, you three have one chance to save yourselves, or I'll have Bobby here hit you for six all the way back to Polegate. The polecats looked at each other. Ah, oh, what do you want? the polecat said, rubbing the side of its head where Zen had cracked it. Are the long man and Skady in the King's Hall? James asked. Yes. Is there a girl with them? Yes. Is she okay? Yes, but she won't be if she can't answer the long man's questions. Out of the corner of his eye, James saw the trig point starting to close. Do you know how to open this? he asked quickly. No, the long man does it. Ah, James said. Zen, Bobby, let them go and do exactly what I tell you. The polecats scampered away and he quickly told Zen and Bobby his idea. They then disappeared into the tunnel as the trig point closed. Some plan, Annabelle said grumpily. What do you want me to do? Order a pizza? No, James said. Get the car out of the bunker and put my bike in it. We might need to make a quick getaway. How am I gonna... Just do it, he said, and keep the engine running. He didn't wait for a reply, but ran down the path and into the maze of gorse bushes that grew over the top of the hill. Inside the ring made by the bank and ditch, the hill fort was just a flat field filled with gorse bushes, and not much else. They grew big up there, making ten-foot-high corridors that crisscrossed the top of the hill. James was looking for a specific bush. He had a good idea where it was, but last time No-Tail had led him straight to it and that was more than four years ago. He took two left turns and found himself in a clearing in the middle of the fort. That wasn't right. He doubled back, took a right turn, and found it. A huge gorse, which, along with being particularly scratchy, marked another entrance into the king under the fort's hall. The mole exit. There were no easy ways into the bush, so James found the biggest gap among the lower branches, turned around, and forced himself backward through the spikes. The spikes protested his direct approach, and proving they were more than a match for his thin jumper, scratched painfully through to his skin. He wished he'd kept his coat on. With stinging back, arms and head, James reached the hole that descended straight down to the hall deep under the hill fort. Its sides were of hard-packed earth, with a set of iron rungs embedded into them. James went down, quickly at first, then slowed as the air became cool. He reached the bottom and turned himself awkwardly around in the small space. There was a wooden panel in front of him. He knew that on the other side it was actually a portrait of a mole. The wood was rough and unfinished under his fingers. He slid it to the side gently and looked into the hall. By the fire, Jenny was perched on an armchair, looking nervously over to the main door. The long man was by the door, talking quietly. James knew that Zen and Bobby were on the other side. He desperately wanted to get Jenny's attention, but there was no sign of Skady yet, so he waited and watched. The long man's words grew louder, more agitated. Then James saw a movement by the side of the fireplace. 
the sleek form of the long man's friend detached itself from the shadows and flowed silently over the rug. It was attracted to the door, sensing that it was nearly time for it to get to work. It slipped right up behind its master. This was it. With both the long man and Skady distracted, James slid the picture out of the way and waved at Jenny. She saw him and he beckoned her. She got up quietly, but not quietly enough. Skady span round and flashed toward the girl with unbelievable speed. At the same time, something small and grey dropped from the ceiling above the armchair behind Jenny. It was no tail, bow out ready in one paw as she fell, and with an arrow, in its paw, then knocked, then drawn, and then unleashed at Skady, and all before the grey assassin had landed gracefully on the back of the chair. And before James could even call out, all hell broke loose.